Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margot Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is a food lifestyle show on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. Each week on Midnight Menu Plus One, Margo and I invite a member of New Orleans' restaurant and food community to join us, and we invite them to bring along their own guest, a Plus One. We never know who the Plus One's going to be. Sometimes it's a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a fellow restaurant colleague. But our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One is Lauren Godin. And if you're hungry for more Midnight Menu Plus One than we can dish up here, we have all kinds of extra stuff on our website, itsneworleans.com. You can check out our blog, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or just Google Midnight Menu Plus One and we come right up. Midnight Menu is brought to us tonight by Wayfair. Wayfair is a fabulous restaurant and bar on Ferret Street, Uptown. There are a lot of places to get great food in New Orleans. Take it from me, I've eaten at lots of them, but there's no place doing what Wayfair is doing. Chef Kevin White comes from a fine dining background, and he's putting all this training, experience, and taste into sandwiches. And he's taking a sandwich to a whole new place. At Wayfair, they also have equally great salads, appetizers, and small plates you can enjoy at the bar. And you know what? It's cheap. (laughs) You pay the same or less for the price of a sandwich in other places, and you're getting this just amazing taste experience. Plus, for being a Midnight Menu Plus One listener, they'll give you 10% off your bill at Wayfair. Wayfair is open seven days from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Friday and Saturday until 10 on weeknights. And it's on that new hip part of Ferret Street. Remember to tell them that we sent you for Midnight Menu Plus One for your 10% discount. It's honestly one of my favorite spots. Well, Margo, I'm really looking forward to talking with our guest tonight. We have with us today Lauren Godan. Uh, the food goddess. She has a passion for all things food and drink. She's a food editor and reporter for national, regional, and local publications. She's on TV and radio stations as well. She's the creator of um, and founder of 504 and specializing in culinary, social media, and web content. Uh, I think she's also the creator of My Stupid Stomach, which she's going to tell us about <laughs> as she chases down the what, where, and edible uh, that's gluten-free in our 504. And if she doesn't have a uh, cocktail in hand, uh, she's got a fork. But she's always uh, eating and drinking, and she's got lots to share about that. So um, with no uh, further ado, let's, uh, let's introduce Lauren. Hey there. Welcome. Thank you very much. Good to much. have you here. Thanks. I'm ha- really thrilled to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. You bet. So we have a lot to get into about what you're doing currently. Okay. So you're so prolific in, <laughs> in all these uh, forms of media and mediums. But um, I wanted to know a little bit about, you You obviously are a great communicator. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I'd like to think <laughs> I am. <laughs> but how did you get started in food? Like, what okay. was your passion? And um, where did what it, where, what's the genesis, so to yes. speak? Um, well, I've always been a really big food geek. I mean, from really time immemorial, I, I really... It, it's it's not cliche for me to say that at all. Um, I've lived in a lot of places, and I was uh, I lived in Portugal. And I've lived all over the United States, and so I had developed very young the interest uh, in eating very broadly, very widely, and never really thought about a career in food. I mean, that really didn't exist in. I think in my landscape or in any landscape, really, uh, to be honest, and I really wanted to be the first female Supreme Court Justice of the United States, <laughs> but that ship sailed. <laughs> and um, and I, I came down here to go to college, and I'm, I'm a, I am a very, very serious food person. So when I came here, I was 16, getting ready to make 17 in my freshman year at Loyola, and I got here and I walked around the French Quarter, and long story short, everywhere I went, I was introduced to some new and and incredible that I'd never had before and I walked into the desire cafe and there were big giant piles of what I thought were langoustine because that's what they looked like to me and so I said to the guy behind the bar I said wow you guys eat langoustine and he looked at me like I was crazy and he said lady those are crawfish <laughs> and I said crawfish Ooh, I used to have one as a pet I don't know if you can eat those and I had no idea and he gave me a portion of crawfish and I just went crazy I mean it was beautiful and from there I ended up at Arnaud's having Café Brulot and yeah. uh, Coquille Saint-Jacques which I was blown away I couldn't imagine went around the corner was walking the street and there was this gorgeous gorgeous Creole chef standing against a beautiful pink building with his very tall tall toque and I peeked in the kitchen door and said what is this place and he said 
you're at Brennan's. And I said, really, what is Brennan's? And he said, you've never been? I said, no, I've just come to town and I'm just starting college. He said, come in here, young lady, and brought me in and made me Bananas Foster. And it was uh, Mike Roussel. Oh, nice. And so Chef Mike Roussel, this is my entree to the city was all about food. Again, not thinking too much about the kismet of that. Um, you know, went about my <laughs> business, at, you know, being a co-ed at Loyola and cross-registering at Tulane and doing the regular thing that one does. And when I got done with college, I was uh, in charge of orientation and training. No, that's wrong. I was the associate in charge of orientation and training for the World's Fair. And I trained all of the um, non-management employees. And my degree is in theater. So what they had me do was really talk with non-management people about how to um, be polite to guests that were coming to the World's Fair, which, if you know me, is fairly hilarious because I'm pretty direct and, you know, and I kind of... <laughs> You know, not, not a great filter. So you're the reason why I failed. <laughs> no, I don't want to own that. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but what would happen was that I would I would train these people and tell them how the proper way I said it, tr you know, trout meunier, because, you know, visitors will come and sometimes will say things like trout manure. And, you know, <laughs> you want to laugh, but you have to. And that to, doesn't sound very tasty. No. And, 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 and as a server, you have to remember to say, oh, yes, that is a really fabulous dish. That trout meunier is just wonderful. And then someone will say, oh. Oh, is that how it said? So I did that, and I tried to do it with some humor. So then as I walked around the World's Fair site, um, I would run into different people, and they would say, oh, you that funny lady. I remember <laughs> you. <laughs> and, I and so I got, um, I guess, sort of known for being the funny lady who would tell them how to say things politely. Again, a food component there that I didn't anticipate. Um, roll the hands of time fast forward. Um, I've always, I cooked and all the time, and I'm a crazy cook, collector of cookbooks and, and, and anything to do with cooking. I just love it. I, I've always felt it very cathartic. I really liked it a lot. So I would watch Channel 12. I used to love all those shows and Justin Wilson and Nona Galasso. I mean, just all those people that you, you know, from the old school of Channel 12 of PBS yeah. cooking. And I loved it so much. My husband decided, and at that time we were just seeing dating, he decided he wanted Was to he go to too? He was at Loyola too. We yeah. had graduated. He uh, had, was in law school by this point, and he decided he was going to go and do his summer program in um, Paris. And I said, "Oh well, if you think you're going on your own, you're you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to Paris, you're taking me." And I applied to culinary school, yeah. and I applied to La Varenne, and I applied to Cordon Bleu, and I applied to the Ritz Escoffier. And I was very um, lucky to have been accepted by all of them. Um, uh, surprising because I really sort of wrote the most bullshit essay you could ever possibly write because I hadn't done anything really hands-on. I mean, this is 1989, and I, other than my own kitchen, I hadn't been in a kitchen in a restaurant at all working in that way. So I got my way in. I went to the Ritz Escoffier, um, and they invited me to stay for their long program. I ended up staying for their just the summer program, and just uh, went head over heels. I mean, I kind of became a little bit of the, the pet, and I was the one that they would send to the market and go to the market with them at four in the morning and leal, and we would, and I pretended that I spoke no French. So ah. <laughs> I pretended I was just this rangy American girl, you know, no big deal. Until one day <clears throat> we were in the kitchen cooking, and one of the chefs was poking fun at the um, director of the program, who's an expat New Orleanian, rest his soul. He has wow. since passed away. Huh. And um, they were making fun of him, and it was pretty humorous. And I burst out laughing, and they both turned and looked Realized at me. Realized, yeah, knew what they that were was saying. it. <laughs> and that was the end of that. And then I became sort of the official representative and translator for anybody from America or from the U.S. I should say, because Canadians were there as well, but from the U.S. who uh, came to the Ritz and would take in the afternoon the degustation classes. So I would sit in the back, tired as tired can be. We were all just zonked. I mean, we worked really, really hard all the mm -hmm. time. And the um, really Tony guests would come in, and they would sit and they would, you know, do these demonstration classes. <coughs> Excuse me, do these demonstration classes, and ask really, really crazy questions that Americans like. What's the difference between a brown egg and a white egg? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, undoubtedly, the translator would go, "Lauren, Lauren, <laughs> these are your people. Lauren, where are you? Hello." And I, I just like, oh. 
my God, text, please. <laughs> brown eggs and white, there's no difference between a brown egg and a white egg. Or they would ask crazy things like, do they use bulk sausage in the hotel? Like, Jimmy Dean bulk sausage? You're really going to ask this chef if he uses Jimmy Dean sausage? I mean, come on. But at the end, so everyone, it was an amazing time because it was so interesting. I learned a lot from two sides of that coin, actually, about what Americans did not understand about food, which was very interesting, or some Americans, I should say, and what I needed to know about food. And it was just incredible. And I would stand in my uniform on Rue Cambon outside of the Chanel store like peering into the window like one does at Mervyn's going open 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 and they would tell me to shoo because <laughs> I was wearing you know my checks and my, the whole uniform and you couldn't go into the hotel it's at it's at Place Vendôme and they didn't allow you to go into the hotel wearing your uniform because you know you're a low man on the totem pole and I was really low man on the totem pole yeah. well let me I'm going to step back just a little bit but um it's interesting to me, one of the things that is interesting about what you're saying is that they really um, took to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you have to work in the kitchen and prove yourself? Oh. Or, I mean, is that <laughs> yeah. why they, they it, was it a literally a cooking thing or your, your, your ethic, your work ethic or your personality? I think because it's I don't a combination. That it, it's not usually, I mean, I've never heard such a welcoming story in a um. (laughs) well first of all you know it's an old school European kitchen so I think the adage if you can't take the heat really does apply and I can I am um, no weenie by any stretch (laughs) of the imagination and um, you know if they tell me to turn mushrooms or turn you know tourne which is right to carve vegetables in shape like olives more or less seven-sided yeah and so if my job was to do that I would turn the shit out of those things I mean but I would how did you it. know how to do it if well you, you watched and you okay. learn and you talk and you make mistakes I mean and you really make mistakes and you get yelled at and then you don't cry like it a big didn't ass crush baby you. okay no you say we chef no chef you know bon, you know you just you just keep moving and grooving and you just don't you know you fix it and you keep going you burn your hand you keep going you know no you know none of this you know wham wham stuff and I think that they were rather surprised I think that um, that I didn't, you know, crumble like a, you know, collapse like a bunch of broccoli. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't collapse. I just did my thing and I kept going. You were now, were you intended to be a chef at this point? Actually, I didn't know what I was going to do with oh. it, Ray. I really didn't. Oh. I, uh, my intent was just to get the education because I love classic French cooking so much. And I just wanted to have a base of knowledge of what I was doing, just more info, just adding to that to me as a human right. I, I really had no goal with it I came back I worked uh, for a short time with Emeril in the kitchen and was peeling onions you know no big deal but I, we had a child at that point and so it was very difficult to keep that going and I mean working in a kitchen having children is really really tough I don't care if you're the man or the woman yeah. uh, having a fa- it's very difficult and the interesting part about it so I left that and I had studied it when I was in college also to be a paralegal so I just went ahead and did my paralegal thing and was working as a paralegal and I was working for the um, Internal Revenue Service. I was in law enforcement for three years um, in the criminal investigation unit you know like you know you weapons trained the whole, yeah wow so, really you are definitely <laughs> not a weenie huh no <laughs> now what you need to, what did you need a weapon for for the irs what were you what well, were you doing in the criminal investigation unit uh, of the internal revenue service in louisiana they had louisiana alabama and mississippi they were taking down drug dealers it's food stamp trafficking money laundering drug right. trafficking etc cetera, etc cetera. my job was asset seizure and forfeiture so the so you go on the scene when they mm-hmm. were raiding the place so that's right and yeah. then basically i would go shopping and then my friends who know me are laughing because they know that that's my favorite pastime I would go in basically and I would identify those things that were assets that had been purchased with dirty money that were we could seize Ah. and sell and it paid for law enforcement and so it was a fascinating thing though to do that kind of work and you learn a great deal and by the way it is where I learned as much as I could learn about Vietnamese um, food in New Orleans and, and dining because I was friends with two of the um, agents who were Vietnamese and they wanted to go eat Vietnamese food. And I'm sure, let's go. And they were like, really? 
So most most agents and law enforcement people, and I love you, law enforcement people. You know I love you. They were meat potatoes kind of people. Terribly, <laughs> they are the worst eaters ever, ever, yeah. ever, ever on the planet. They eat just awful fast food. food. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. And these guys wanted to take me to eat real food, and I was so excited. So I really learned from the inside out how to navigate the um, Vietnamese community in New Orleans, and they were actually really rather petrified. So of, of law enforcement to and justifiably, you know, these people, you know, they came over in the 70s. They don't really know the older people. They're scared. Is this the revenue are they going to shut me down? And, you know, and luckily enough, I pierced that veil and became friends with a lot of the families, the original restaurant families um, of Vietnamese in New Orleans. Uh. And, and to this day, I'm a huge, huge fan of the food and the people and the culture. Now, did you ever get involved in shutting down something or, or uh, going after something that you, that, you know, that it really had a great product you like, like a, you know, a restaurant, <laughs> maybe like a favorite restaurant or a favorite grocery store? If I store? tell you, I'd have to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> I, unfortunately, am not at liberty to talk about that. Uh, I really was. I would, that would be really discouraging. It's like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, not going to be able to get that po'boy anymore. No. No, it's really interesting, though, because you do have to be respectful. And I can't really talk about anything that huh. I worked on. I worked on some very big cases involving oh. Some very big, important. Um, you put Edward Edward Squid in you. <laughs> I might have been involved in working on that case. Whoa, no, you got to tell us then. <laughs> We're not letting you out. If you, <laughs> if you tell us. But the, the the big point for me was I ate all the time. And when I got to eat, uh. and then I got the opportunity to um, write for Gambit. They were looking for someone to do food features while I was at IRS. I lied to them and said, yes, that I had written on food. I went home that night. Oh. I wrote an 800-word piece on Vietnamese egg roll faxed it in and that was the beginning of the end that was 1998 wow. so that's how I became a food writer oh, wow. so your experiences with the IRS <laughs> in sp uh, allowed gave you good information on egg rolls and <laughs> on Vietnamese and cuisine particularly so they approached you from um gambit like yes. you weren't like no, 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 no. I, I didn't know that food writing really existed as a, as a career. I had no idea. I was reading Jean Borg, of course, and at that time, and the picky. I mean, you would uh, read it, but I didn't know that was a career for me. Uh -huh. I, I always considered myself somewhat cerebral, even if I'm a bit quirky. And so that was it. No, I never thought about it at all. And I, yes, they approached me and asked me if I had ever written anything on food, and I lied and said yes. So, okay. and then I well, wrote it. How, how did you. <laughs> This is going back a little bit, but mm -hmm. how did you gain the confidence besides like saying you could do it and then just doing it? It seems like a lot of experiences in your life, you, you're very confident. <laughs> and uh, is that always been the case or, or have you had people influence you in, in, in some way that uh, I think I'm a survivor by nature. And um, I think that has always served me. So I think my confidence that you that you perceive as confidence is probably my um, biggest defense, if you will, mechanism to protect the little kind of soft, squishy side that really is me more. Um, and yeah, I just sort of always have been a take a take the bull by the horns. I mean, if you want to get it done, do it. And uh, yeah, the, and, and yes, I've had oodles of people influence me. The lady who raised me um, was from Troy, Alabama, and she was in my life from the time I was six months old until the time I was 15 and you know some people may say oh well how lovely for you that you had a, a nanny or a housekeeper she wasn't my nanny or my housekeeper she was my mother of my heart mm -hmm. and uh, so I resent it greatly when people you know poo poo that because uh, she wasn't just anything and she was a very profound influence on me she taught me how to cook she taught me how to cook chitlins and fried chicken and greens and peach pie. And she taught me how to eat and she taught me how to dance and she taught me how to appreciate music. And she taught me to love Ernie Banks. And <laughs> um, I, you know, so it, it, that I can't even without it brings tears to my eyes to even think about it. And my grandmother, um, who died in 1988, um, uh, another very, very profound influence on me, taught me to drink brandy and appreciate wine and we would sit in her bed at night and drink brandy and watch Carson and Needlepoint <laughs> and <laughs> together so yeah I've had I've, I've been very fortunate um, and I very grateful for the good fortune that I've had and so my confidence I think is really like I said it is it's real but it is also the, the way I can protect myself if you will it's a survival instinct a bit yeah <laughs> well thank you
Looks like your plus one is here. Would you Thank like to introduce Thank goodness. Yay. We can talk about her. Okay. <laughs> Hooray. So my plus one. Yeah, I would love to introduce her. So I met this really amazing gal. We Right after the storm, um, I, we came back to town. I, I came back very early. Obviously, my buddy was too. And both of us uh, food people, foodies and food writers of a sort. And she was working for NewOrleans.com, and they had um, reached out to me to work with them and doing some food writing and some other things. And um, I met my pal Kim Ranchbar at NewOrleans.com, and Kim and I have been really good friends ever since then. And so that was like right up the storm, right, Kim? Yeah. Which means that we've been pals coming up on nine plus years. Yeah. And we've worked together <laughs> that long. And she's amazing. And Kim writes sucktheheads.com. And she writes amazing blogs. And she also has Nola Hooch and Nola Food Porn. And she's got a great <laughs> eye and a great palate. And not only that, she's just got a great spirit. And I really love her a lot. So that's my plus one cool. is my pal, Kim Ranjbar. Am I allowed to cry? Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Make it loud because they can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> you got a blubber. <laughs> well, I'm really flattered. Thank you very uh, much. <laughs> you deserve it. We had so, we've had so much fun, haven't we? Oh, yeah. She's She's <laughs> been my mentor. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I, the things I've dealt with, <laughs> the things I've gone through with her and uh, what she's taught me and... We had fun. We've had fun yes. about life, or um, most writing, writing and, food, um, life, everything. I mean, she's like my mom away from home. Yay! <laughs> Isn't that nice? <laughs> I love that. I like being everybody's mom. It's awesome. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. It, it was so much fun. Well, because what Kim brings to the table, she's a really good techie, so she knows that technical background, and of course, I know just enough to be dangerous. So <laughs> she really balanced that out. Also, Kim's approach to food writing as I perceived it was a much more of a layperson, sort of a more man on the street I have a tendency to be a you know snobby for a, a lack of a better word <laughs> well I mean I'm sorry but that is it is what it is I, I do prefer fine dining and fine food now does that mean I don't eat Taco Bell no it doesn't it means I do eat Taco Bell when I get in the mood um, for it I'm not that big of a snob but I do have a definite bent to my work and what I prefer and she brings such a really rich and diverse aspect of this whole thing that I thought was incredible and she got it you know what I mean there are a lot of people writing who don't get it what they want to talk about is themselves and they want to navel gaze and tell us about their experience and Kim tells us not just her experience but why we do or don't want to go someplace and I really applaud that I thought it's incredible I love you, sister. Well, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> now, Kim, um, how did you get into writing, and um, where are you from originally? Um, I'm from the Bay Area, uh, San Mateo, California. I moved here about 11 years ago, right before the storm. I was here two years before it let go. Um, that was heartbreaking. Uh, let's see. I started, I mean, I've always written. Uh, not necessarily about food. I do creative writing on my own. Um, I've written uh, one of the jobs I worked for. I was doing abstracts and uh, indexing for national newspapers uh, for the Thompson Group. I don't know if you've heard of the Merlin uh, product for libraries. Oh, you sure. You see it everywhere. Yeah. 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 Uh, you can't like search modern periodicals without Merlin. Um, let's see. Then when I moved here, uh, I was working at NewOrleans.com and... Did you move here to work for NewOrleans.com? Is that how you got here? No, actually, I fell in love with New Orleans through reading. I'm a voracious reader. Right. And so many books I had uh, read and dealt with, the South and New Orleans in particular, and I fell in love with it, and I always wanted to come here. I tried to come here... Uh, to go to college first, but my parents wouldn't let me go. <laughs> um, finally... I had graduated college. I'd been working for a while. Uh, I lost my job. I got laid off in California. Um, my job got sent out to uh, India because they were paying like three times less than what they were paying us here. But, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, and uh, I had broken up with my boyfriend at the time, and it seemed like a perfect opportunity. You know, I said, well, now's the time. And I came here to visit, picked out an apartment, and I moved 
Was it the abstracting job that got moved to India? What got moved to India? Um, actually, they yeah, they outsourced to India. It was the they outsourced abstracting the job. abstracting to yeah. India. Wow. It, of our national papers, you know. Right, like, right. Yeah. That seems odd. That's the last it does. thing I expect. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> 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 that makes sense. I don't, you know. I, I guess it makes more sense than all the customer service being, you know, the telephone customer right. service being from India. That makes even less sense to me, you know. Right. Right. With the accents and all that, yeah. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so when I moved here, uh, I started working actually at Kelly Abide at first. Um, and I was just handling their internet sales. Um, I was doing, uh, they did like a, a big promotion for Pistol Pete. They do chef's cool. clothes. Uh, I, I, they've been around for a long time. Um, but then right after the storm, I got a job with NewOrleans.com and I was handling, handling the content on their website. And uh, they were really lacking in the food department. <laughs> <laughs> She's being really polite because a certain someone who's Last name rhymes with <laughs> it's Norris. <laughs> <laughs> was writing <laughs> at the time. Well, I was really frustrated because uh, you know I was basically the editor, so he would send all his pieces into me, and um, the pieces were not current. Nothing was post, you know, Katrina. So, and everything changed after Katrina. You know, every owners changed, chefs, chefs changed, changed, menus changed. So I didn't think his reviews were accurate anymore, and I called him on it, and he hasn't liked me since. <laughs> I mean, either, but that's okay. I like you, and you like me, so we're, that's all right. We're a happy family. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. And then I met Lauren, and she was working with NewOrleans.com for a little while, and um, when she left, we were kind of, you know, in this empty zone, and so I just offered. I said, hey, I've been at the at that point in time, I was dieting, and I said, uh how you were writing this? a cool piece. You yeah. should tell them about that. That was really cool. It was the, it the Thursday the cheat. The, the cheat sheet. Yeah. yeah. What's, uh, that? what's that? Once a week, I would cheat on my diet and eat at a restaurant around town, and I would report on it. That's hysterical. Tell me how fabulous, and right? Yes. That's great idea. Fabulous. Isn't and I was it? still yeah. losing Absolutely. weight. So yeah. she had lost a, an insane amount of weight. And all the while writing this once a week cheat column, and I went crazy. I said, "This has got to be." in a publication it has to happen so i really fought like the devil to get it in a local publication and she continued to write it but it's genius isn't it Uh, it is absolutely because so many people can relate to that who wants i mean critiquing a restaurant or finding negative things that's only that's not very interesting to me but it bleeds it leads and you know how the man works (laughs) but but i mean to to really hear about someone's experiences and that's really clever it was cool. awesome it was it fun was read real <laughs> yeah so yeah it yeah. was fun it was it's a fun thing to read but then i started to see that she was really tapped in and so i was doing a lot of different kind and i'm like you ought to go for it you should you're really writing what people want to read mm-hmm. about this is fantastic and and it didn't matter whether she went to a place that i was covering who cares for god's sakes it's it <laughs> that's such nonsense all this weird competitiveness is so for the birds i can't even begin to tell you how much mm-hmm. i think it's for the birds because it is not about getting in first it's not about you know pithy prose it's about writing something that people want to read and that is what kim does she writes mm-hmm. what people want to read and it's fabulous and, and so do you get a great. lot of did you get positive reinforcement once you were um Getting it out there? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, it surprised me, actually. (laughs) More and more people were coming to my blog. (laughs) I knew (laughs) that it was genius. Yeah, (laughs) she hooked me up with um, doing a a monthly column for New Orleans Living Magazine, and I'm still writing for them. And then um, also Where You At, I'm doing their 15 and Under and Food News and... I, I worked for them as their food editor and created this whole kind of food section for Josh Danzig at Where You At, including the 15 and under, which they'd been doing something similar, but it needed a little um, sharpening of the edges, if you will. And then we did, we came, I came up with the city sustainability, which was all about this woman who was living in town who was basically raising her own animals and, and slaughtering them and eating them and raising a sustainable garden. This is years and years ago. I mean, Jordan, that, right? yeah, Jordan Shea, yeah. and she won a press club award for that column. It was really 
really there's all there are all these incredible people tucked in the nooks and crannies of the city writing this just amazing things and I, I luck out and I feel I've like I find them and then I'm like get this opportunity to let them shine and it's so much fun so Kim took over 15 and under for me because uh, I was done I needed to do other things and and Jordan's writing City Sustainability and then for a time we had the other people the Conscious Taste. Palette oh, yeah. and Tasting Notes which was musicians and food then there would recommend a chef and then we'd go to that chef's restaurant and that chef would recommend his or talk about his favorite um, band and we'd nice. go to that band oh, I love and, that. and round and round and round it went and That's that was great. a ton of fun oh was, wow what was that called a lot of soul food it was called Tasting Notes yeah. Yeah. Tasting <laughs> Notes how did I miss that that sounds awesome what was that in in Where You At in Where You At okay cool mm-hmm. yeah. wow. and I'm is it still in that in the publication? Are they still doing a version of it? Um, I think they stopped it because it. Well, did it peter really itself difficult. out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, so it petered out. Yeah. Eventually, hit it. Uh, yeah. He started getting a loop. It was the same places, <laughs> <laughs> right? The same places or the same musicians. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah Everyone's exactly. like, you know, trombone shorty. Yeah, we did that. Guess again. Exactly. So that was really fun. But the, the, where yet was is a really interesting place to get your feet wet, you know, huh. for uh, young food writers. And so that was a great opportunity. And Kim's still writing for them, which is incredible. And Barry, the cocktail columnist, is, was the writing there for them, huh. and now she's moved yeah, on like and edible and sports illustrator and yeah. maxim and yeah. holy smoke i mean she's really <laughs> busted out and she writes she's a great cocktail writer i mean we there are really incredible writers in town huh. and you just have to read them and go past a few of the others who are not so wonderful <laughs> to so read. do y'all think the um now the culture has changed a little bit with um food i mean all those amazing venues for writing and do you, do you think the personalities that were are uh, I don't know how to word it, but that they're more on the not on is, the, uh, yeah, not on as the relevant. Outs, yes, yes, not as relevant. They are and, correct. And, that is um, correct. And so it's na- is it natural or is the community changing? Like how people are collaborating and I think supportive. it's a combination, Margot. What do you think, Kim? I mean, I really do think it's a combination because. I, you know, God love him, and I know I'm beating a dead horse, but Mr. Fitzmorris has become irrelevant because he is who he is. What he does is a fabulous thing on a particular subject. And he would be, and he'll be, furious with me. I've called him the dining Methuselah, and he's just <laughs> been furious as he can be at me about it. And the blog got so many hits. I, it did, well, you know, because he was being the dining Methuselah. So the thing about that is, without beating a dead horse, is that he he is really brilliant at what he does, which is to explore the, 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 the scene of New Orleans and the history of New Orleans cookery. What I don't think he has been, his best showing has been being, coming forward and being contemporary and I don't mean eating a lavender soaked cotton ball off the end of a hanger okay I'm not talking about that for god's sakes what I'm saying is that he's just not on the ground where can I get that that sounds awesome (laughs) I can tell you so what you're saying is like well he's not connecting with what people are really interested in mate perhaps well not the younger set he still really has a quite a big fan base for what he does oh yeah Yeah. and and it's respected I mean I I respect that just like you're saying the history and but it's just not there there's so much that you can tie in to the history and talk about and I have to be really frank with you because I think that 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 the food and cooking knowledge um, that comes out of that source is not solid I'm sorry it just isn't and also I really think it's important that people who are writing on food have spent some time in a restaurant working I don't mean sitting at a table with your pinky in the air. I mean in the kitchen, in the dining room, behind the bar. Please get off your ass, please. If you're going to b- become an authority, become a flipping authority. Yeah. Do it. I mean, I've bartended for a million years. I've waited tables, Kim. I know you've done stuff. I worked in the kitchens. I mean, for crying out loud, it doesn't mean that I know everything, right. but at least I have a, a, a solid foundation. And I happen to know that many of our food writers locally have nothing, none of that. Yeah. So I don't really take them very seriously. So back to the rev- relevancy, no, I don't consider them relevant. Okay. Well, before I, we get back into some of these issues, but... Um, <laughs> no, Sorry. No, 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 no. I, um, but we have to... We uh, are coming up. We're going off the menu, and that's where we're going to ask you a couple of questions that you wouldn't be asked in culinary school or at a job interview, um, at least not 
a job interview I guess you would particularly want. So, <laughs> um, but before we get to that, I, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about petite pet care. <laughs> if you are going out of town or you schedule keeps you away from home, if you're, you know, working your ass off in a kitchen and you just can't get home to your pet, petite pet care have you covered. They come to your house so you don't have to board your pet or take them to doggy daycare or n- doggy night care. For loving care when you're not there, go to petitepetcare.com. And Margaret, we'd also be remiss if we did not also thank uh, Wayfair for giving us uh, our Midnight Menu Plus One listeners a 10% off discount on their fantastic Wayfair menu. Plus, they have a three-hour happy hour every day from 4 to 7. Chef Kevin White puts fine dining into a sandwich, and the bartenders put all kinds of great stuff into the cocktails. Okay, as promised, we're going off the menu with our special guest, Lauren Godin, and her and her plus one, Kim Ranch Bar. Uh, we're going to ask you a question you wouldn't normally be asked in culinary school. So um, why don't you start, Margo? Okay, uh, Lauren, I own a restaurant, and you've come in to... Uh, apply for a chef's position <laughs> you really want to work at my restaurant and everything on the menu I have one item on the menu because I'm really uh, care about the Louisiana environment and it's um, Nutria so I'd like to know to get the job <laughs> how would you prepare Nutria as an appetizer an entree and dessert <laughs> Dessert, dessert. Is a, that's dessert. a good one yes okay so nutria as an appetizer well i think the most obvious thing is to make sausage you know uh, okay yeah. so that's quick a, on our feet yeah that's well nice. there you are and i would probably do it with some kind of really cool mustard um alongside and that is by the way inspired by my darling pal chef greg sonier who in my opinion makes the most delicious sausages and mustards and that's what popped into my brain an entree <clears throat> well nutria but not with nutria though he does oh yeah no never <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah nutria really we should be only had uh, its moment in the sun somebody's going i had such great sausage there last week i didn't know it was <laughs> nutria absolutely not <laughs> thank you for saying that um for an entree because nutria is a uh, gamey it's probably best stewed so i would probably uh, do a debris kind of a thing for an mm. entree maybe over some kind of a fabulous biscuit on the dessert side of things, well, good night. That would be really interesting. So I think that probably the best thing that you could do would be to do sort of a savory sweet grilled cheese sandwich maybe for a dessert. Oh. Maybe some chocolate and in, in there and maybe some of that debris and maybe something, you know, a little sweet element uh, to create like a little dessert, a savory sweet grilled cheese type sandwich. That's I mean, on my feet, that's about as best that, as oh, I can. That, you have the yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nutria sounded great to me just wow. now. Thank you so much. That, You're yeah. hired. That's a, wow, you're good at pop quizzes. That was, that was <laughs> impressive. All right, now my turn. Uh, Kim, uh, I'm just going to ask this. This is boring if you listen to the show. I'll ask the same one every time. It's predictable. But just if you had one person to eat a meal with in the whole world that's alive today, uh, you could have one-on-one uh, meal in New Orleans with anybody, who would it be? And why? That's a. Mm. I know that's so many to choose from. Just what's the first one that pops in your head? As dorky as this sounds, I'd say Anne Rice. All right, <laughs> that's a great answer. Tell us why. Uh, well, she was one of the authors that I read voraciously. You know, I mean, she's the one who made me feel New Orleans before I even got here. Oh. So, and also, she likes to eat. Yeah, where would you take her? <laughs> Um, probably Patois. All right. It's like my running favorite right now. Nice. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so uh, s- speaking of Patois, where would y'all, well, we know you that's your running favorite right now, but Lauren, um, where, if you're going out, mm-hmm. where would be your, you know, your next meal? Perhaps Holy smoke. That depends on what time of day it is, what the weather's like outside. I, my favorite meal is the one I'm eating at the very moment uh, that I'm eating it. Okay. I really and truly don't have a favorite place, and I really kind of shoot from the hip. Um, I try to get out everywhere that I can. Um, and with the number of restaurants that we have currently, it's a very daunting task. <laughs> so, you know, I'm <clears throat> I make my way around. I may not get to you as quickly, and I definitely, definitely do not 
go in to a restaurant for any purposes of writing or on or writing in the first week or even sometimes the first month. Um, that's just my particular style. It does not mean I do not love you. I love all the chefs in New Orleans. I think their creative <laughs> artistry is amazing, and they know that I love them very, very much, and that I'll get there. So where would my? I can tell you that on my way here tonight, I stopped at Del Fuego because I had a craving for guacamole, and I thought, well, I'm going to go check that out and have a big loaded guacamole, and it had bacon bits and pomegranate seeds and chili peppers, and it was spectacular and yummy, and they're making their own fresh tortillas. I was going to say, they haven't been open that long. They've only no, been open a week or so, right? And the only No, more than uh, just oh. about two plus two weeks. weeks. Okay. And the reason I have gone in there is that they, I'm not going to you know fake it. They're friends. Huh. And they were very gracious and invited right. me in for friends and family when they opened the doors. And I just was on my way here and wanted something quick and wanted something I know is fresh made. And so I popped right in there right before I got here. Awesome. Now, do you, now, do you, uh, you probably get recognized at a lot of places you go. Is there a way to stay anonymous? Do you wear uh, a disguise? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's such a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> I just don't come in saying, hello, I'm here. <laughs> and what are you feeding me? I don't act yeah. like an can you say asshole? Oh, yeah. You, you said it all already. Don't worry about it. It's too go. late now if you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I just don't act yeah. like an asshole. I yeah. go in. I do my thing. Sometimes I'm writing. Sometimes I'm just dining, for gosh sakes. Right. I, I just want to eat a meal. Right? Yeah. Don't, isn't that the same for you, Kim? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to go places with her without people recognizing her. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I'm more sorry. like fun, no, right? It's, it's she, like oh, y'all yeah. are. It's totally relaxed. Every, you know, people, oh, hi. How's it going? It's and we gossip a lot, and that's uh, terrible. I'm definitely involved in the gossip chain. <laughs> <laughs> it's but awesome, though. I've met a lot of interesting people through them. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> a lot of chefs. Chefs are interesting people, aren't they? They really are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Ever get intimidated when they realize that if there's a food writer there? I guess they get that a lot in New Orleans, but still, uh, you, you, you ever get the sense that they feel intimidated? Uh, no. no. Yeah, no way. No way. Nah. I, they get what, excited. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, that does it stems from the style of writing that y'all do. You, you, you both seem to celebrate things going on in the city and, and, and what people are doing and... Uh, I would imagine well, we have a motto basically and I say we because I shared this with Kim and if you don't agree please feel free to say <laughs> it, my dear but it's a lot more fun to tell people where there's something fun and fabulous and wonderful than there is to tear someone down right. and even mm-hmm. though I spent some time tearing certain someone down in my heart of hearts I really do appreciate and love what's going on so that at the end of the day that's really it is much more fun to tell people where to go to get something great than to you know rip someone a new one although I know it's very popular right. to rip people a new one I'm not in I, I don't do that in my writing. I totally agree. In the magazines, I definitely always talk about the good. There's no point, really, in talking about the bad. The only time I kind of let loose is on my blog, but those are personal experiences. So I'm telling them this is what happened when right, I went right. into the restaurant, you know, not necessarily picking at anybody. This is just what my experience was. Mm-hmm. So, Well, um, this might be, a, I, I want to know, um, how your book experience has been received and how you <laughs> feel about that experience because sure. um, that's it's New Orleans Chef's Table, correct? Right. Is it, it is. It is. Um, well, I was approached to, uh, to write that um, by uh, Globe Pequot. And um, I think they have since been bought by somebody, but they were, uh, or they are owned by Morris Publications, and they do. It's a series that they do across the country. So there's Chef's Table Houston and Chef's Table Charlotte, et cetera. And they came to me and asked me to do it, and the experience was hair raising. I mean, it's tough, and you know you got to buckle down and write a lot of words and I had a particular way that I really wanted to do it which was a more contemporary style it was stylistically different than the other models that they had done and they were very gracious about it and let me do it Um, the experience was in the end exhilarating the book is selling nicely my goodness I'm certainly not going to be buying my villa in Italy anytime (laughs) soon but I'm happy with that I'm not one of those people that has the great American novel buried deep in my soul that's not I never even considered writing a book at all until I was approached to do that. And I don't know if I'd ever do another one. It was really a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was terrible. Well, 
I know I know the clock's ticking and we're oh, running sorry. low on time, so I won't, no, no you, know, <laughs> you have nothing to be sorry about. I, I, exactly. I just want to make sure we cover one topic that I'm particularly interested in. It's become like a theme for us the last few weeks. I don't know why, but it just keeps coming up again and again. I know you were uh, you were um, diagnosed with celiac yep. disease, and uh, it's got to be hard for somebody that, that eats out a lot. And yeah, so you started a blog about it, and uh, my stupid stomach, right? And can you tell us a little bit about that and what yeah, that's about and I sure will. how long that's been? and certainly will. So my stupid stomach um, is something I say all the time. And um, a gal that I, I'm friendly with named Nina Camacho one day said, you know, Lauren, you say that so often you should call it, that shouldn't be the name for your blog. And I thought, oh, she's right. <laughs> and so I did. Um, and it was because all the time I would eat something and I would say, oh, I'm sorry, you guys, I can't. My stupid stomach. Oh, and it was really true. And be, dying, being diagnosed with celiac. Listen, this goes back a really long way. I was diagnosed at 19 with what they thought was diverticulitis and irritable uh -huh. bowel syndrome and the whole series of things that go with that and coming and forward. And I kept getting sick and I kept getting sick. And as you can see, I'm not wasting away. I don't have the <laughs> wasting side of this disease. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm on the pizza and Twinkie diet. <laughs> so it's gluten-free. <laughs> and, um, and what happened was I finally got so, so, so sick. And I've ha gotten food poisoning. I can't even tell you how many times. And I've had E. coli three oh, times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, such as the, it's a job hazard. And um, so I got really, really sick. And I finally went to a guy who um, did the proper testing. I was scoped. I had the blood test, confirmed the diagnosis. Yes, it's celiac. And when was that? And that was October. Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. a, there's a pretty big gap from 19. You're at least. 23 years old now so it's been a, it's been a while <laughs> kind of you <laughs> yes grandma godan over here i am i'm a new grandma it really was amazing and we're talking about 34 years of of, wow. of having such a rough go with my stomach that was unbelievable and nobody knew back then i mean you thought that it was stress related and they gave you all kinds of crazy i was on phenobarbital at one point in time because oh. they thought it was stress related so if they chilled you out that that would chill out everything and now what we now know is that the gut is the second brain and oh. that we know so much more about the whole thing so yes it's been very interesting and thank you thank you thank you to the chefs who do not roll their eyes at me <laughs> and uh, think that I'm trying to pretend I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, although I really <laughs> wish I could be. <laughs> the resemblance is striking. Though. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And and because it, it really is a pain in the it is it's a pain in the butt and all puns intended because the truth of the uh, matter is huh. that there are people who are eating for dietary reasons or just because they don't want to eat gluten and you know what feed them they're paying you money stop having an attitude <laughs> get over yourself right. but for those of us who have celiac right. and really and truly have an issue. Um, I'm grateful that there are chefs who really take care of us, and and there's at least a couple places in town we've talked about. You know, we've talked. Uh, Peace Baker came. Peace up Baker we had on the show. And yeah. Fair. Fair we had on the show too. Yeah, Fabulous. Right. Yeah. And so love there are places. Yeah, love them yeah, both. Yeah. Thankfully, and that's becoming more recognized and more accepted, and more places. And I'm very very fortunate. The New Orleans tourism and marketing people. I'm writing some gluten free. How to navigate New Orleans gluten free for them. And uh, just, yeah, it's really fun. And it's then great. I talked today with Molly Kimball, and we're going to coordinate our efforts for eat fit nola and yeah, i'm going to help with the, the gluten-free yeah. component of that cool so you know turning lemons into lemonade yikes <laughs> what a horrible cliche <laughs> and can you um um tell us uh the blog one more time i mean I certainly it's called my stupid stomach Nola, if you want to, it's a Tumblr. Yeah. MyStupidStomachNola.com. Who's going to forget that, though? That's memorable as it gets. Thank you, Nina Camacho. That was really her. That's her genius. I was yeah. really, that was wonderful. And she, and good for her for coming up with it. And um, what is, how are people going to learn about through the tourism uh, oh, what, what yeah, I probably should plug that. Thank you, Margo. Um, I write for gonola.com. I do, um, I had been doing a podcast for, for them. I had nothing to do with gluten-free. The gluten-free pieces are on gonola.com. Sometimes they get um, pushed across the platform to visit New Orleans and more forthcoming. Okay, great. And um, Kim, we, uh, we're running out of time, but... Um, that's okay. <laughs> uh, do you have, will you um, 
tell everyone about some of your sites, how they can uh, learn more and read more from you? And oh, um, sucktheheads.com, <laughs> nolafoodporn.com, <laughs> nolahooch.com. Um, I spell hooch because people oh, spell it the other with the T, H O O T C H. See, I'm a marketing person. There you go. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Um, also on Where You At, uh, nolawoman.com, and uh, New Orleans Living Magazine. Excellent. Well, y'all, unfortunately, we are running out of time, and we really appreciate you both joining us on Midnight Menu. And uh, Thank you so much. We know, yeah, your time is precious. Y'all are both very uh, active people, so we can't <laughs> thank you enough for uh, joining us. Thank well, you. once again, our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One was the great Lauren Godan, and with uh, too many uh, uh, ventures to list here, but her, her plus one, no, that's good, her plus one is uh, Kim uh, Ranch Bar, and you can find out more about uh, both of their ventures, uh, from everything from the 504 to the My Stupid Stomach to the Nola Hooch to, I'm not going to try to name them all because I'll mess them up. <laughs> lots and lots of them you just heard, uh, but follow links on our website it's neworleans.com so just go there and we'll have links from all these things and anything else we can find and uh, we want to give a, a, another thanks to our sponsors this evening Wayfair on Ferret Street and uh, remind our listeners that you get 10% off everything on the menu when you tell them you heard it on Midnight Menu Plus One and thanks also to Petite Pet Care and to Monkey Hill Bar on Magazine Street See you next time on Midnight Menu Plus One. Till then, I'm Margot Moss. And I'm Ray Canada. Good night. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris, Margot Moss, and Ray Canada. Our technical producer is Chris Kehoe. Our director of everything else is Mary Ross. Thanks to our sponsors who made tonight's show possible, Wayfair on Ferret Street. As a reward for getting all the way through to the end of the show, you get 10% off your tab when you tell your server Ray or Margot from Midnight Menu Plus One sent you. Also, Petite Pet Care for loving care when you're not there. Find those guys at PetitePetCare.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor of Midnight Menu Plus One, get in touch with us on our website at itsneworleans.com or just email sales at itsneworleans.com. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for Midnight Menu Plus One, you can do that on our website too. You can find photos from tonight's show, check out our blog and all sorts of other great stuff on itsneworleans.com, including our other shows, Out to Lunch, Happy Hour, Vietnola, True to the Game and Mindset. You can hook up with Margot and Ray anytime by following Midnight Menu Plus One on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The awesome audio quality of the show is brought to us in part by Chris Kehoe's Magic, and the rest of it is done by PreSonus Audio. More information about all the wonderful sound recording equipment that PreSonus makes is at their website, presonus.com. Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting. For itsneworleans.com, for all of us here at Midnight Menu Plus One, thanks for joining us. We'll see you back here next week around the New Orleans Podcast Dining Table. Ray Canada and Margot Moss will be back then. Good night. Okay, my to-do list. One, start a to-do list. Check. Two, finish the first thing on my to-do list. Killing it. Three, treat myself a JCPenney. Yes! They're back to school. You're back to you. Hurry in Thursday to Sunday for the Reset and Reconnect sale. Get 50% off select St. John's Bay for him and her. Plus select women's denim for $19.99. Get an extra 25% off with your JCPenney credit card and coupon. Find it in the app wallet. JCPenney. Offers valid 822 to 825. Credit offer subject to credit approval. Exclusion apply. See store or jcp.com for details.